Welcome to episode 33 of the Forward from 50 podcast, where we interview people over 50 who are pursuing new direction for their lives. It's an opportunity for men and women to tell their stories, their way, in their own words. I'm Greg Gerber, the founder of Forward from 50, and your host for today's show. This week, I am speaking with a woman whose mission is to help people find more balance in their lives. It is not possible to live a perfectly balanced life because, let's face it, life happens. All it takes is one phone call, email, or text message to wreck our plans and turn life upside down. On the other hand, many of us have lived with our lives out of balance for years, sometimes decades. We need a compassionate and impartial third party to open our eyes to the imbalance and to set us on a much better path. Ann King is a New Yorker who had always juggled multiple jobs and side hustles just to keep moving forward. However, while drifting through an ebb and flow of setbacks and comebacks over the past five years, Lori's life took a turn for the worse in 2020. She and her husband both lost their jobs, and their van needed a new transmission just days before they moved across country to a new home in New Mexico. Even worse, Jim was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Living in a new area and away from their support network while battling a medical setback was not a particularly pleasant way to navigate through life. Then, toss in the isolation of COVID and it created a cascading set of problems. Yet it was also one of the most prolific periods in Lori's life. She wrote three books during that time, including one the couple wrote together. Since 2017, Lori has written five books and developed an online platform to help people find balance in their lives. In doing research for her projects, Lori discovered there were a lot of self-help books about physical and career transformations. However, there weren't many resources directed at addressing the mindset changes that make transformation possible. The problem is that some transformations come on suddenly but often linger as people work their way through all the changes. Physical healing may be required, but transitions often require emotional healing as well. To achieve that emotional balance, people need to do something that refreshes their soul and fuels their passion. To explain what she did to recover balance in her life, and how she's helping others to recover theirs, please welcome author and life coach Lori Ann King to the show. Thanks for joining me today, Lori. I really appreciate the time. You're in one of my favorite places in all the world, and that's the land of enchantment of New Mexico. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you wound up there. Thank you again for the opportunity to be here. It's a, it's a pleasure. Uh, so I grew up in central New York, uh, just outside of Syracuse, and I spent half of my life uh, in central New York and the other half somewhat downstate between Albany and New York City in the town of Kingston, New York. And I've had a lot of eclectic jobs. They have, they've included anything from recreation and hospitality to administrative assistant, marketing, web development. Uh, my undergraduate work was in recreation and my graduate work was in information management. So looking back on a lot of the different job changes, I know for me, a lot of the time I was, what I know now is that I was searching for more passion and purpose. I was a runner for over 25 years and then turned cyclist. I, I met my husband, Jim, in the gym. He was teaching a strength training course and I started struggling with a running injury and he suggested I try to bike and I fell in love with the bike and with him and biking was a, a childhood passion. So it was neat to, to bring that around, but I grew up on Kingston Road, moved to Kingston, New York, and then married a king. So <laughs> it seemed to make sense at the time, too. So That's awesome. So what did you do before you turned 50? 
Before I turned 50, I had a lot of different jobs, again, wavering between web development and marketing. And my early years were more in recreation and hospitality and always had a side hustle. And I think, again, that was always trying to live out that passion and purpose. Side hustles included anything from web development to a health coach, health and wellness coaching consultant and an author and writer and blogger. So you had quite a variety of experience before you turned 50. But something changed after you turned 50 that put you in a different direction. Tell us about that. Sure. So I guess for me, it wasn't so much that when I turned 50, everything changed. I think it was the ebb and flow and the setbacks and comebacks that were coming through the year or two before that and carrying through till today where I'm 51, almost 52 next month. And for a lot of people, 2020 was a challenging year and it was for us as well. And the short story of it is that in 2020, we lost two of our main income streams. Our van needed a new transmission, which we found out in the weeks prior to moving cross country. And my husband was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And so that following year, 2021, as I was turning 50, we were going through a healing stage physically and emotionally. We were settling into new life in the desert in the land of enchantment in Mexico. And we also were really isolated. We had gotten rid of my husband's cancer, but we still felt vulnerable, and especially during the pandemic. And so we probably stuck to ourselves a little bit more than, than most. But that year was also prolific. We ended up writing three books. One we wrote together. We got to collaborate on that. It was my husband's memoir, and that was a really rewarding partnership and collaboration. And then I wrote my second and third books as well. And so three books written that year, and that kind of helped me understand more about what I wanted to do with my life after 50, the second season, so to speak, and what my gifts were and how I could better serve the world. I applaud you for writing three books during all of that COVID lockdown nonsense. That was a much better use of your time than I did. So (laughs) good for you for doing that. What was the book's title? The three books we wrote that year. So the, the book that my husband and I wrote together is called Raging Love. And it's his journey from a history and childhood of abuse and oppression and racism and bullying and things that he really struggled with emotionally as a child and teen and how he used that anger that was the dominating emotion to fuel his life in athletics. But then later on, how that really no longer served him in relationships and for what he wanted in life. So that was one book that we traditionally published. And then the other two books that I wrote were uh, Wheels to Wellbeing, which is a self-care blueprint or mindset, and then Transform, which is all about the mindset of transformations. The mindset that is essential yes. to transformation. and oh, To life. Yeah, to life, yes. And why is that, in your opinion? I think when we specifically talk about transformations and whether it's a physical transformation or a career transformation, there's a lot of the... the advice out there. Uh, They may tell you how to lose weight, for example, or they may tell you how to get strong, or they may talk about going from employee to entrepreneur. But the one thing that is so essential is the mindset that we have going through that, because there's going to be setbacks, there's going to be challenges, there's going to be wall-kicking moments where you think, am I on the right path? What Am I crazy? We all go through it. Um, But the mindset work of Combined with faith was in our belief system of just 
we can be who we want to be, so to speak, that really makes the difference in what I've seen in my life towards success. Are transformations sudden or are they slowly take or do they slowly take place? That's a great question. I think it's sometimes can be a matter of perspective. Looking back, some of my changes or trans looking back now seem to happen quickly, but I know as I was going through it, it took a lot longer. And it's also never a straight path or a straight line. There's always these ebbs and flows. Again, whether it's a physical transformation or a career transformation or a financial trans- transformation, it's very rare. And if you do see someone suddenly shoot to success and they look like it's an overnight success, you don't see the years of heartache and work that went into that. But I'm sure if you ask, they'll tell you. I know that we can have different types of transitions that take place in our life, especially after we turn 50. One of them mm-hmm. is like job loss, where mm-hmm. everything just switches. You are employed one day and you're not the next. Same thing happens in retirement. But then sometimes these transformations take place slowly and that gives people an opportunity to brace for that change. So is there a way for people to deal with a abrupt transformation? I think it requires a lot of grace and a lot of kindness toward self. Great point. I think if it's a job and I've had it where one day it was there and all of a sudden I was no longer employed, whether it was based on moving or my own choice to leave. And sometimes there's preparation for that and sometimes there's not. It's same with marriage and divorce. Sometimes those things happen abruptly or illness or surgeries. And the grace and kindness towards ourselves, and the one day at a time type attitude that trying not to look too far ahead. I know if I look at all the things on my plate or all the things I want to do in life, it can get overwhelming or exhausting. But if I chunk it down and think, what's the next thing I have to do? What's the most important thing I have to do in this moment? And and sometimes it might just be spending time with a loved one or spending time with yourself. Uh, but again, that that kindness and grace towards ourselves, that self-love, I think goes a long way. I think that's important too, because many people don't realize that they have to go through a healing process. In order to get from one stage to the next and to successfully complete that transformation, there does have to be that grieving of what you're losing and or healing from what you've lost or what was taken from you. A great point. And again, sometimes it's very obvious that in my husband's case, whether it was prostate cancer or, or what, there was that physical healing, but there was also the, the emotions had to catch up and Again, it's so often we don't think of it. Maybe if you change jobs or you get married, there's still those challenges in that transition. And so just giving yourself room to breathe through the transition and, and feel all the feels and not trying to suppress it or oppress it because they'll come out eventually anyways. <laughs> That's right. One of the transformations that you completed successfully has been from employee to entrepreneur. Tell us about that. So for a lot of my life, I have been both an employee and an entrepreneur, and I always thought it had to be one or the other, or it should be one or the other. And at this stage in my life, the wisdom of being 50 or a little bit past that, I realized that you can wear both hats. Sometimes you are required to have a job and be an employee, and it helps pay the bills or helps your household or or whatnot. Uh, But if you're lacking any type of passion or purpose in that, then it's really important to me to wear that other hat as well as entrepreneur and making sure that the things that I value in my life 
are taking place. And yeah, now at this point in my stage, I am still wearing both hats. And I hope that one day, maybe I won't, maybe I'll be able to take some things off my plate. And But for now, one pays the bills and one fuels my heart. That's an excellent way to look at that. Yeah, a friend of mine uh, talks about being an entrepreneur, and that's for employees to take ownership of their careers or what they're doing at the work so that they have that entrepreneur belief and drive and passion, but they're bringing it to a work project. And so I see you saying the same kind of thing. I like that. I like that a lot. And I think that's true. The things that I write about and the things that I value, uh, both self-care and kindness to others, I think the world can always use more kindness. And I write about that. And those are definitely things that anybody can bring, including myself, to the workforce and, and share with and serve people there. I also like that you say that side hustle speaks to your heart or kind of acts as fuel to your heart. Does everybody need a side hustle like that? Or is there something else that they can be doing to provide that kind of energy that they're, that you were talking about? I don't think it has to be per se a side hustle that's income producing. I think in my own life, I know like in central New York, especially I grew up in the water. We were surrounded by lakes and rivers and streams that we could be on and my family had a motorboat and we water skied and um, that was just built into my DNA and I lost sight of it for a little while and then in my 40s actually started kayaking and paddleboarding again and on the Hudson River and, and different streams and lakes around uh, Kingston, New York and so that's something that fuels my heart as well. It's a big part of self-care for me being outside, being in nature, being around the water and so that's not something I would say has a side hustle. It's more of just a passion that I make sure I include on my life on a regular basis. And so my advice often to people is think back to your childhood and what did you love to do? For me, again, it was being on the water. It was riding a bike. Other people, it may be volleyball or photography or art or any different number of things. And I think even writing or being an author doesn't have to be a side hustle. It can just be something that your heart desires and you choose to do it. Exactly. So you don't have to make money. You can just do it because you like to do it because it feeds your heart. And the more our hearts are fed, the greater we are to the world. I think just happy people living from their heart and with passion, like it just really our energy changes when we're around people and people absorb that and pick up on that. And I think that says a lot too. After you turned 50, did you make any lifestyle changes that made a difference in your life? Yes. As far as lifestyle changes, I think I had to learn what I need in life to feel good and passionate. So again, I'm purposeful. So those things like riding my bike or being in the water, I definitely have seasons in my life where I've lived more in isolation and solitude and that fuels my heart and re-energizes me as well. But if I go too far into it, it can lean more towards like sadness and feeling alone. And so I manage and balance that need for solitude also with my energy. And so before I was 50, there was a lot of times in my 20s and 30s and beyond where I would look at my calendar and think, I, I work nine to five, but I can do an early morning networking meeting and I can ride my bike in the evening. And I can do this with this group of friends and, and I could fill my calendar based on the time that I had available. And the biggest lifestyle change now is when I look at my calendar, I look at it more from an energy perspective instead of a time perspective. And knowing that if I'm going to an event at 6 a.m. in the morning, then 
the night before, I have to guard that time and not fill it up. And maybe the the evening following as well. And so bracketing some of the times, either early morning events or just events where it involves a lot of engagement with people. As an introvert, that can be very exhausting. So the biggest lifestyle change, I would say, is managing my energy more than my time. I like that energy events because that can apply to anybody. So if you are in a a business like some friends of mine who are on the phone or have meetings all day long, they need to add into their schedules something during the day that gives them energy. So like you'd mentioned before, if they like writing, maybe they take 15 minutes or something like that and actually explore their creative writing. That's a great idea. Um, Get outside, go for a walk, recharge. I know there's a difference. As an introvert, I recharge with solitude and silence and quiet time, whereas extroverts like my husband, he recharges actually being around people. So knowing yourself, I think it's a big part of that. And, and again, just knowing what calls your heart. When we were talking before, you had described being in your cave of isolation. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that and how you came out of that cave? That's a great question. I think through moving across the country and going through the healing process in my family with illness and surgeries and things like that. As we were isolating through the pandemic, it also went further than that to where I found myself just spending too much time alone. And as we get past that, we get past some of those mile markers, as anybody does with a health challenge, we start to feel the creativity come back. I start to feel the creativity come back and where I'm starting to reach out and collaborate with more people. And that's what's bringing me out of my cave, so to speak, where I'm reaching out to friends. I'm working again with my husband. This time we're collaborating on a a nutrition course. And I'm collaborating with my local yoga studio, which, so it started out just by me going to class, a yoga class, and now actually collaborating where I'd be facilitating an event uh, later in September on self-care. And then also collaborating with a a community of platform launchers or other entrepreneurs that are uh, trying to build an online platform. And and that's where you and I met. And I know there'll still be more times in my life where I retreat and withdraw and, and just have to replenish or heal from something. But I also know that I need to propel myself forward because uh, I don't believe that we're meant to go through this life alone. So I agree. When you were talking about spending too much time alone, I think that's very good because it seems to be a problem for people over 50, especially as they get into their 60s and 70s. The older they get, the more isolated they can become. Do you have any suggestions on ways for those folks to start being more socially involved? That's a great point, Greg. I, uh, and I think too, in the the world we live in now, even families get spread out. The days where your family was all in one small community, all within five miles of each other is not the case for everyone. And so I know my family is all, all back East and my husband's family is back East. And so if you're in that over 50 stage, I think the big word that you used was intentional and being intentional with spending time socializing or getting to know other people. And when we live in our curiosity, so what I mean by that is being curious, thinking back to our childhood or our 20s or our 30s or 40s and what were we doing? What did we love to do? Was it something maybe athletic or sports or fitness? Maybe you're at a point where physically you can't play. You love, say, football. You could certainly find people to maybe watch that with. Or if you loved art, 
looking through your library, your local library or your local community center to find even your continuing education program at a local college could spark some ideas of how to take a class or to go to an event or just um, put yourself out there. And, and I think, again, as an introvert, that can be a little bit harder and a little bit scarier. But there's times where I say yes to an event weeks ahead of time. And then the day of the event, that fear sets in and I'm like, do I really want to go? Do I not want to go? And I always try to challenge myself to keep the commitment because at nine times out of 10, it's always a rewarding experience. I meet someone that either needed me to be there or I needed to hear something they had to say that night or just the sense of community. Your church is another great place to see it there's your local church or synagogue, if there's events or groups that you could join, things like that. If you're a pet lover, you know, the dog park. So again, living in your curiosity. Good point. The other problem that I think a lot of people over 50 have is that their friends die and they move Mm -hmm. away. So Mm -hmm. I live in a retirement community down south Mm -hmm. in Arizona. So a lot of people retire up in the Midwest and from Wisconsin where I'm from and they move to places like Arizona. So their friends that they've had for years are often separated by great distances or they just simply die. And it's important right. for people to make new friendships and establish those relationships continually. It's just they they're not going to replace a best friend overnight. But by golly, it's nice to have more people around to establish those relationships before you really need them. I agree. I think there might be a problem with people sometimes having a job and a side hustle at the same time because they tend to burn the candle at both ends. Is there something that people can do to ensure that doesn't happen? Even pursuing the good thing in the side hustle or the activity that you talked about can be a problem if they don't have that rest in between. Absolutely. This is something I learned recently. A friend of ours, John Saji, talked about focus and intention. And this was really key for me because there's always a list that we can do, whether it's for our job, whether it's for our side hustle, whether it's for our home life. And checking in to see, is this absolutely important? Is this absolutely necessary? Is this something I can say no to? Is this something that I want to do? Because sometimes we do things just out of the idea that we don't know how to say no, we don't want to disappoint someone. But what I've learned is disappointing myself hurts longer, (laughs) lasts longer than the feeling of disappointing someone else. And so learning to say no, learning what's going to take the least amount of time to launch me further ahead, things like that. And just really what needs to be done today, what can be pushed off till tomorrow or next week, and maybe what I really need to rethink and decide, is this something I really want to do and need to do? In your book, Wheels to Wellbeing, you identify wheels of life, that these are things that have different spokes, that are different major things we need to pay attention to in our lives, because like on a bicycle, if one or two spokes is gone, the entire dire wheel can weaken and no longer be effective. What are some of the primary things that people really need to pay attention to in their lives? So the, yes, the wheels to well-being analogy comes from being a cyclist. It comes from this whole idea that as a bicyclist, when you're riding your bike and a lot of people, whether you still ride your bike or not, you have to keep moving forward, you need to keep your balance. And balance has a lot to do with self-care and 
as you explained, the the specific wheel of a bicycle has all these individual spokes. And each one, if you were to go to a bike shop and they handed you a spoke, most people could bend it. But when you put them together, they really support the wheel and support the rider moving forward in life. And so I find uh, that spokes could be some of the top ones are nutrition, what you put in your body, uh, movements. And I say movements because exercise sometimes can be an intimidating word to people, but just moving your body, whether it's that's going for a walk or throwing a Frisbee or playing with your kids or your grandchildren or your great grandchildren, that movement, uh, moving our bodies so that we're not overly stationary. Um, your faith or spirituality could be a big part of or your a major priority spoke career, finances, your passion, your relationship with your partner, your relationship with your family or friends. So I like to think of them as each spoke matters, but different seasons of our life suddenly become more of a priority. When we're younger, maybe building a career, that's a major spoke that we're focused on. Whereas as we talked about in our 50s, maybe maintaining and building and creating new relationships becomes more important. And that becomes a priority spoke that we want to make sure they're all in good working condition, but it's it would be overwhelming to look at all of them and think, oh my gosh, I need to fix all of my spokes. Everything needs repair. And, and there certainly are times in life where it feels that way. And But in a more general aspect, if we can just think of it in an annual or a quarterly or a monthly or even a weekly basis, like what does my heart and soul need right now to feel more balanced, to feel like I'm thriving in life, to feel like I'm connected? On your website, you have a thing called the wheel quiz that is supposed to help people identify those areas of their life that might need attention. How'd sure. you come up with that? Just thinking of it as an, an analogy with bicycling, I see life lessons everywhere. And one of the first books I thought I wrote would write was going to be Life Lessons from a Bike. But I just found it as a useful tool to help people understand that, yeah, okay, if I'm riding a bike, I'm trying to stay balanced. Uh, my bicycle needs to be in good shape to support me moving forward and so the spokes just made sense in my mind as a bicycle analogy. And I think it can help other people. If you've just gone through a season of major change or maybe an illness or job loss or, or divorce or marriage, any of these things, it's a good time to check in and say, how am I doing right now? Am I feeling well balanced? Am I moving forward in my life? And I think it's human nature to want to progress and move forward at any age. And so checking in with ourselves, that idea of Knowing ourselves uh, is really key. Your website suggests that too many people are letting life happen to them. And I would agree with that. Some of these, just asking these questions, is that enough to get them to change their mind or shift their mind into a better point of well-being? I think it starts with awareness. Awareness maybe that something's off or awareness that you want something more or that awareness and self-discovery and living in your curiosity of, hey, has there been a time in my life where I felt happy and I felt joy and I felt bliss? What was I doing? And is it still part of my life now or can I bring it back? And then, so awareness is the first part, but then again, that word you used, intention and focus. And, and I think it takes intention to bring things back into our life and make them a habit. And so consistent action over time to really drill them in. When I talk about nutrition, it could be one small change that you make that you can do consistently that you can commit to. And I think that's part of it too, being willing to commit to something for a period of time to see 
that this is what something that I want to stick in my life. Do you have any advice for people who are over 50 about identifying or pursuing their passion? Definitely probably living in their curiosity, exploring their gifts. What are you good at? What do people ask you all the time? What did you love as a kid? What that that passion and that purpose. And I guess knowing too, that age is just a number. Um, my husband's 71 and he's still growing and serving and discovering. And I think even in your book that I just read, 50 over 50, there were some great stories about people that reached their peak or their or found success or found their passion at age 76 or age 81. And I think just constantly living in that curiosity and thinking to yourself, what's next? What do, what, what do I still want? It goes a long way. You're absolutely correct. Age is just a number. So for somebody like your husband, who's in his 70s, an individual in his 50s would be a spring chicken. But the same also applies for somebody who's in their 90s, who looks at somebody at their 70s saying, my goodness, you have a lot of life left to live. (laughs) Absolutely. Super. How can people connect with you if they wanted to get in touch with you or to take this wheel quiz? The best way is through my website, which is lauriannking.com. That's L-O-R-I-A-N. K-I-N-G.com. Uh, you can find me on social media through that as well. But there's also a contact form at the bottom of the page where you can reach out. Very good. This has been a great conversation and a lot to think about, especially in identifying those eight spokes that everybody needs to be paying attention to. Thank you, Greg. I have been in Laurieann King's situation many times over the past few decades. It felt like a dog pile of problems were weighing me down. Or worse, I felt trapped on a never-ending hamster wheel just going through the motions without getting anywhere. Lori offered a valuable reminder that we all need solitude every now and then to fuel our heart and give us energy. However, too much solitude turns into isolation, which results in sadness and loneliness. One of the most profound things Lori said was in describing the need to approach our calendar from an energy perspective rather than a time perspective. We can always juggle things around to cram one more activity or appointment into our calendar, but we need space to relax, unwind, and declutter our minds as well. Sometimes we feel pressured into doing things we don't want to do because we don't know how to say no, because we don't want to disappoint someone. Yet Lori learned that disappointing herself usually hurt longer and lasted longer than the feeling of disappointing someone else. In her book, Wheels to Wellbeing, Lori used a bicycling metaphor. When biking, people must keep moving or they'll fall over. However, people need to maintain proper balance in order to move forward. When properly aligned, a bicycle spokes ensure the tire remains round in order to support a rider. Our life involves a variety of spokes which provide support, whether it's faith, nutrition, relationships, finances, or any of the items Lori identified. All of them need to be in balance for us to move forward. By regularly evaluating your wheel, you can better see how you're doing at the moment and make adjustments in areas that need more attention. Lori said too many people simply allow life to happen to them. It's essential that people be aware of what's happening to them and around them so they can make adjustments before small problems become larger ones. That regular self-evaluation also helps avoid burnout and depression. People who would like to connect with Lori can visit www.lauriannking.com. Wheels to Wellbeing and all of her books can be found on Amazon.com. That's all I have for this week's show. If you'd like help in identifying a purpose for your life or to get help planning your next steps, 
I'm offering a complimentary brainstorming session to members of the Forward from 50 Facebook community. For details, connect with me on Facebook or visit www.forwardfrom50.com. I'll have another inspirational interview on the next episode of the Forward from 50 podcast. Thank you for listening. And if you like the show, please consider leaving a review wherever you download the episodes.